0: Welcome to another place in time, where one day you'll be dead or you'll survive. Hello everybody and welcome to Dead or Survive. Just when you thought Christmas was over, that's right, you still have one more present.
1: <laughs> one more gift, not under the tree, but somewhere on the... Abyss of your phone.
0: I am your host, Rob Riches.
1: I'm your other host, Cheryl Riches. And, and this
0: is the Christmas edition, so it'll probably be short and miserable because that's how I am.
1: Also, it's a little late. Well,
0: it's not that late.
1: But it's still late. It
0: Anyways. is late.
1: Anyways, here we are. We had we're still in the midst of our Christmas celebrations, but so far I've had a good Christmas. Yep. <laughs> Just yep. <laughs> Got to spend some time with the kids. It was really was good. good. I yeah. like spending time with the kids. Yeah, it was good. We had a really good like dinner last night and a brunch this morning. I don't know. It's nice to. And then we were playing card games and such. It was nice. We had some good times. Yep. <laughs> is that all? You, is this what my host is going to be today? Yep. <laughs> yep. You got to
0: carry carry the workload today.
1: Okay. That's it. It's on you. Here we go.
0: Normally, I carry the workload. It's on you. Good
1: thing I added a little Christmas cheer to my coffee, I guess. Yes.
0: (laughs) And you guys are thinking it's Bailey's, but no, it's whiskey. (laughs) She went straight for the whiskey.
1: It's whiskey, but it's also like, you know, that fancy creamer stuff. So it tastes like Bailey's. Yeah.
0: After eight in Gibson's. (laughs) If anybody wants the recipe, follow us for more recipes on Dead or Survive.
1: It's tasty. <laughs> okay.
0: And honestly, my wife's not an alcoholic. <laughs> that's what she keeps telling me.
1: I said, I'm going to do a coffee, and he looked all disappointed. He looked like his face went a little white. He was like, What? You're going to do this without alcohol?
0: Well, that's what scared me. <laughs> We've never done this show without alcohol. <laughs> then you're going to get up here and go, uh, uh, and stutter over your words worse than you normally do.
1: No, this is <laughs> my tongue elixir. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. <laughs>
0: your husband tolerator
1: <laughs> I know what he does. Just
0: call it the truth mm. so other than that what else have we done we've got lots of stuff going on for the week we uh we had some uh, downtime at work so we got to go in and 5s and clean i know you like that oh yeah that's my favorite so that was exciting i mean i guess that's what you did
1: yeah the one day that i didn't go to the other plant so that i could keep myself occupied they had me pushing a broom so that made me extra happy
0: Yep. See? See all that Christmas spirit? (laughs) We did have a new country join us, though, did we not? You said we had a new country. We do,
1: the Netherlands, but we usually do that at the end. Well,
0: I know, but we forgot last time, so I thought I'd do it this time. (laughs)
1: That's a good idea. Yep, Netherlands. Hi, Netherlands. Thanks for joining us.
0: Hello, hello, hello. I don't even know how to say your accent or if you have an accent, but hello.
1: I don't even, yeah, I couldn't even... What language do they even speak? You should
0: have looked this up. Is it... like, this is on you. You've got to be the host.
1: Do they speak Dutch? I don't
0: know. Probably. I know they wear orange at soccer time. Pretty okay. sure they wear orange at soccer time. We've just lost a country.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <By> another Netherlands.
0: <laughs> By Netherlands. great having you.
1: <laughs> is Dutch even a language? What? Is Dutch even a language? All I know <laughs>
0: is I have a friend that's, that's, that's from Holland. And she says the dicky the dama
1: well there you go what does that mean
0: um probably something i shouldn't have said in the radio but i think it's 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 along the lines of gosh darn it but more
1: oh all assertive. Right.
0: <laughs> and i know that it was because she used to say it to us kids when she babysat us all the time huffer dama the dicky get over here <laughs> so i'm sure it wasn't pleasant i'm
1: sure i'm sure <laughs> anybody
0: understands that you're more than welcome to yeah. call her send an email to yeah. us at
1: debtorsurvivepodcast survive at gmail.com
0: Anyways. So, yeah, hopefully everybody uh, up here in Ontario, we had a huge storm. I guess it went everywhere, so I hope everybody's home safe and sound now. I know there was big accidents on the 401. 401 was all closed People were stuck
1: in ditches for, like, days.
0: Did you read the article that uh, a couple people actually stayed at a Walmart? Yeah,
1: there was, like, 50 of them. Yeah, Yeah. they all
0: stayed in there. Walmart stepped up and got out some board games. and
1: Air mattresses, and they got, like, all their hot deli foods out and and set up a Yeah, and set
0: up a buffet for them and took care of them. So, good on you, Walmart. Yeah,
1: I was surprised at that, too.
0: Yeah, you don't hear much about that anymore from big industries. You know, you, you expect that from, and I shouldn't say you, you expect it, but you hear more about it from mom and pop and little yeah. shops, not the big corporations doing stuff like well, that. Well, and, so. and
1: Quinn was telling us that he had a friend that ended up in a ditch overnight and there was a farmer in the area that let them stay there for the night because they otherwise they would have had to sit in their car all night. So Yeah, so yeah, a little, of, little
0: humanity, a lot of good faith in humanity. yeah. Unless the next story you have is about a guy that got caught in a snowstorm and nope, had to survive you. from a farmhouse. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: My stories are Christmas miracles.
0: Oh, look yeah. at that. Of course they are.
1: <laughs> of course they are. Are oh we doing boy. this then?
0: Yeah, that's all I got. Shout out to Walmart. Um, thank you for taking care of everybody. And uh, everybody, I, again, I hope everybody's safe and, yeah. and spending time with their family. I know I'd read other articles where. People just turned around and went home, so there's a little good with uh, technology there. They could do some FaceTime and all that stuff, so at least they got to see their family, because that's what this is about, is seeing each other and hanging out together. it is, truly. Uh, What you got underneath the tree or handed to you.
1: Truly, it is.
0: However, you will all be happy to know that my daughter, Midget, got me a whole bunch of dad jokes, so I have 101 new dad jokes. I don't even have to look up.
1: And they are fire. You've already read us a couple.
0: They are you guys. I mean, we should probably just skip right to the end. No, no not that great. No. Good. No. Oh. Well, I thought they were hilarious. So I got 101 of those and I got a calendar with 365. So I am yeah. set for the next 465 dad jokes. Oh God. Coming at you. End of the end of the podcast. So yeah. sit tight. Hold on. Other than that, we already know you got your drink, so you got your story?
1: I got my story, yep.
0: Okay, let her rip, potato chip.
1: Okay, so Christmas miracles. Spoiler, I already said it. So let's start with the... um, There was this family that was going on vacation, and they had everybody over for the night, and the power went out, so...
0: (laughs) You're laughing. (laughs) Okay,
1: the power went out. So, anyways, they leave for the airport, but they leave their one child behind.
0: <laughs> Are you reading Home Alone?
1: <laughs> <That's> so stupid. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to see how long it took you to clue in, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I was trying to be serious, and I couldn't. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> to the real story. <laughs> okay.
0: This is what I live with. Just really out there. If you want, you can donate to my (laughs) my healthcare clinic, where I'm going to need to be.
1: Okay, real stories. I'm going to tell you about Tracy Hermansdorfer. I'm sure that's right.
0: Hermansdorfer.
1: Hermansdorfer. Hermansdorfer. So Tracy and her husband Mike were excited about having a Christmas baby. Tracy had been in admitted to the Memorial Hospital in Colorado Springs on Christmas Eve 2009. She was in labor, and a fetal monitor was attached to the baby's head because the baby's heart rate was slow. So it's just this little kind of clip thing that sticks to the baby's scalp, and it it gets a better reading of the heart rate. She was given an epidural, and there were no major problems. Around 12.30 p.m. on Christmas Eve, when Mike was standing next to his wife's hospital bed. They were changing monitors at that point in time. In the middle of them changing the monitor, she stopped breathing. The wife? The wife, yeah. Her skin was cold and ashen to the touch. Her heart had stopped. Mike was holding her hand and her hand just fell out of his and she was just gone. She had no signs of life, no heartbeat, no blood pressure. She wasn't breathing. Before Tracy's heart stopped, she was totally healthy. The births of her two other children had gone smoothly, and there was no indication that this delivery would be any different. The staff sounded, a code blue. Resuscitation was needed for a cardiac arrest, and they needed to act quickly because the baby inside of her was also dying.
0: Well, that's not very Christmassy.
1: No, no, it's not. So, Dr. Stephanie Martin was 100 yards away when the code blue sounded. She ran to the delivery room where Mike stood next to his dead wife.
0: How far is 100 yards in metric? Uh,
1: I think a yard is pretty close to a meter. It's fairly close. <laughs> um it was a situation she had witnessed only nine or 10 times during her career. Based on experience, Martin had ideas about what might have caused her cardiac arrest, but nothing was certain. It was the clip. No. Yep, She's allergic <laughs> to latex. <laughs> Dr. Martin thought a couple of things could be happening. Tracy could have an amniotic fluid embolism, which is a condition in which the fluid suspending the baby in utero leaks into the mother's bloodstream or it could be a pulmonary embolism in which a blood clot in the leg breaks off and lodges itself into the lung tissue. Both conditions cause blood pressure, heart rate, and oxygen levels in the blood to plummet, and that's exactly what was happening to Tracy. At 1240, so this is 10 10 minutes from my last thing. Staff attempted to resuscitate Tracy using rapid-fire sequence of chest compressions. She was unresponsive. Four minutes later, fearing for the baby's life, they performed an emergency cesarean section. They call it a four-minute rule. If Tracy was not resuscitated by four to five minutes after the heart stopped, the baby's chance of brain injury, brain injury began to increase dramatically. But if a baby is removed from its mother within the five minutes of a witness cardiac arrest, the baby will survive 95% of the time. So Dr. Martin delivered the baby, a boy, and told the attending physician that the baby was a stillborn. He Martin. was yeah. He was limp with a very low slow slow very low and slow heart rate. They handed the baby to Mike and he was the baby was absolutely lifeless. The staff said they were going to roll the mom out of the room to surgery just to finish the procedure of the cesarean up and to put her on a ventilator to try to save her life and then they'd be back for the baby. At this point, Tracy had no vital signs for four minutes. The doctors continued to try.
0: Okay, wait a minute! Stop! Stop! Stop, stop! 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 They gave a dead baby to the father. But
1: they're still working on the baby while he's holding it.
0: Oh, yeah. that's kind of. I was like, "What?" Because then you're yeah. like, "They'll be back for the baby," and yeah, I'm like, no, "Huh?" They,
1: no, they, they're still staff working there on the oh, baby. Oh,
0: okay. I must have fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, I, actually, that was my next sentence. Oh. The doctors continued trying to revive the baby in Mike's arms. And then all of a sudden, he was awake. His skin was flush. He gasped for air and he let out a loud wail. Is that Mike? No. (laughs) No.
0: (laughs) Oh, the baby. (laughs) The
1: baby. Mike said most parents can't stand the sound of a crying baby, but I'll tell you from experience, that is one of the best sounds you could ever hear. No sooner had Mike absorbed that his son was alive than doctors delivered the news that Tracy was breathing on her own. In a span of minutes, Mike went from the despair of losing half of his family to the elation of having them both back. Although something so major had happened, Tracy had no memory of what she had just been through. She said it just felt like she had fallen asleep. Seven years later, Mike said that mother and son were as healthy as ever. They named the baby Colton and he was in first grade in 2006, went to, sorry, 2016. And that's when they told him about how he was a miracle baby. So then he would start using his status to get out of things that he didn't want to do. Like if they told him to do a chore or something that he didn't want to do, he'd be like, but I'm the miracle baby. <laughs>
0: miracle you're still alive kid (laughs) yeah
1: so tracy tracy would reply well i'm the miracle mom and that isn't working so anyways that's my first christmas miracle story
0: oh Yeah, look at that so that means you've got several more of these to bore us with before i get into the good stuff
1: listen this isn't boring this is good this is good shit right
0: here whoa see you're (laughs) the only one that swears on this podcast did you know that
1: well i am the fun one
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah sure you are
1: (laughs) Okay, I'm going to tell you about the hat box baby now. The this is hat a, bo- have, the hat box baby. What is this? Mm-hmm. Sorry. Okay. Are
0: you drinking during our podcast?
1: <laughs> this is what I do. <laughs> okay.
0: I am so sorry, guys. First of all, I should have bought her hooked on phonics, <laughs> and then second of all, I just I don't know. This this is out of control. This is what happens when you have too much time off work. I'm finding you a second
1: job. Yeah. No. Okay. Christmas Eve, 1931.
0: 1931
1: 1931 ed and julia stewart we have a stewart we're driving th- <laughs> we're driving through an arizona desert and started having car problems they pulled over and were examining the damage they discovered it was a broken fuel line ed re- uh,
0: yeah the woman driving
1: No. just asking
0: i just want clarification
1: on your story Ed repaired the fuel line, and Julia's 15-year-old twin cousins, John and Betty Mansfield, huddled in the back seat. And Julia wandered into the desert a little bit, about 150 feet. She didn't say why, but I bet she was going to go have a pee.
0: 150 feet?
1: Yes, we're back to feet.
0: Okay. (laughs) I just want to get back into the metric system, but I guess it's 1931. There was no metric system, so continue on.
1: As she was walking, she came upon a hat box, and she heard a tiny sound coming from it. Thinking it might be an abandoned kitten or puppy, she called for her husband to come and open it, which I don't understand why she didn't just open it.
0: Maybe she learns the cats.
1: Maybe. Anyways, they open it up, and they're horrified to find a tiny, red-haired baby in the box. They're in the middle of the desert, don't forget. She was wrapped in a blue blanket, and her little legs were drawn up to her chest, and she was whimpering from the cold and hunger. As soon as Ed got the car running again, they rushed the infant to the Mesa, Arizona police station where chief of police, Joe Mayer, received her and transported her really? to... Really?
0: Joe Mayer? Yeah. Why? What's that? Oh, just most... In the States. I, I don't know. I just... Joe Mayer. They, they vote people in to be sheriffs and then they... Oh, I don't
1: know. yeah. You're it just was just, just funny to me. Okay. They received her and transported her to a local maternity home in Florence. A doctor determined that the baby was healthy and only one week old. So in 1931, Mesa, Arizona was a tiny little Mormon farm town. It's miles from the nearest community with a population of just 3,000. So it's just like one of those places where everybody knew each other. Like it's a tiny place. So it's really hard to fathom that somebody would abandon their child, first of all, in the desert, but then the chances that somebody would actually like break down in that spot, not only break down in that spot but find a baby in a hat box while they're there. Like the chance. (laughs) It's a Christmas miracle. It's a Christmas miracle. miracle. It's insane. Insane. The discovery of the young baby in a hat box soon became national news.
0: National news.
1: It was a symbol of hope for those suffering through the great, great depression.
0: Symbol of hope.
1: Are we going to do this the whole rest of this podcast?
0: Rest of the podcast.
1: I'm going to put you on pause and I'm going to beat you. Okay. carrying on. (laughs) (laughs) Town- <laughs> townsfolk in mesa mesa brought gifts for the baby the baby was named marion and a- did
0: three of them show up <laughs> no <Bearing laughs> gifts
1: that would have been good though a variation of mary because she was found at christmas and mary the virgin mom all that stuff right the cops had no idea what what to think and even and everything was on the table sorry even the possibility of homicide they scoured the area where sharon was found Where Sharon, oh, because they named her Sharon (laughs) later. What? Okay. They scoured the area where Marion was found and couldn't find a single shred of evidence. Sorry, that was a typo. At one point, they investigated a teen mom that lived in a small mining town of Miami, 25 miles away, but nothing came of it. Two months after her miraculous discovery, Sharon was put up for adoption. No one could have anticipated that she would receive hundreds of applications. And on February 16th, 1932, a hearing was held in whatever the county county courthouse, because I don't know what that says, in Florence, in an attempt to narrow down the pool of prospective parents. Only two couples managed to show up. So they had hundreds of applications, but only two can- couples managed to show up because of severe weather.
0: Oh, that's why we got our dog.
1: Yeah, is it? What
0: do you mean? Remember, they weren't showing up to see him, so... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You're talking about Parker. Yes.
0: Don't say his name. (laughs) What if you you didn't ask him? (laughs) He
1: he has given me permission. I didn't hear it. Okay. So, in the end, Sharon was adopted. They named named her Sharon, obviously. We were there before, but she was adopted by Faith Faith Morrow and her husband. Faith had been (laughs) unable...
0: So, she was a miracle baby found... And now she lives with somebody with that has Faith.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it all ties together. They look like look a, neat, <laughs> nice like little a package. neat little bow on a yeah. package. <laughs> yeah.
0: You didn't get to the bow part. Don't you take credit for that?
1: <laughs> okay. But it was Christmas Day when Faith heard about the baby on the radio. They, so they left the turkey in the oven and rushed to Mesa to put their names on the already growing list of couples who wanted to adopt the baby.
0: And then their house burnt down. But
1: <laughs> No. <laughs> no. Um, Arizona papers had followed the baby story closely until Sharon was adopted in February of 1932. And then she just seemed to disappear off the face of the earth. So years later, newspapers and magazines would like once in a while put out a headline. What happened to the hat box baby? But nobody really knew. It's not like they had the internet back then. What? <laughs> it wasn't until 56 years later in 1986 that Sharon would learn that not only was she adopted, but she was the hat box baby. Her mother was passing away, and I guess on her deathbed, she gave away the secret. So Sharon began a search for her birth parents. Soon, an organization called Orphan Voyage became involved in the case. Investigator Alice Simon helped Sharon get the court records and released released to her about her case. And there was actually an episode on Unsolved Mysteries about her. Alice Simon was able to locate the Stuarts and Betty Mansfield. All of them remembered the incident very well, but refused to appear because at this point people were doubting their story. They thought maybe um, it, Betty had the baby and then like hid it in the or pretended to hide it in the desert so that she could get away with being an unwed mother. <clears throat> so they didn't want to appear on the show because everybody was so skeptical of their story. And I guess when they were telling their stories, details would change so anyways in 2017 a forensic genealogist named bonnie belza began investigating sharon's case through dna testing and genealogy websites she was able to identify sharon's biological parents sadly,
0: Joe Mayer. yeah
1: <laughs> it's just somebody completely uninvolved oh. sadly her biological mother frida stackbein roth died in 1991 and her biological father, Walter Roth, died in two thousand and five. Her biological brother James, died in two thousand and seventeen. Interestingly, it was discovered that Frida and Walter had married a few months before Sharon's birth, but they it's believed that they abandoned Sharon because she was conceived out of wedlock. So I don't know. There's theories that they didn't like they waited until they saw somebody and they were kind of hiding in the bushes or whatever, so to make sure that the baby was discovered. but Nobody really knows. Well,
0: just then it's this. not a miracle.
1: But it could be a miracle. We don't know. <sighs> you <laughs> Everybody... just ruined
0: the whole story with that last line. <laughs> I'm
1: just telling you what conspiracy theorists the say. The one
0: time, the <laughs> one time you do research <laughs> and ruin a complete story.
1: <laughs> Any other time
0: I ask you, so what about this one? Probably, I don't know. Probably... I don't know. Why I didn't look. Sit over there and shut up. Today it's like. <laughs> No, they were hiding in the bushes, so it wasn't I that much. Know... They waved them down.
1: No, that's not what happened. I, there, there's, well, that's how I'm telling the story. There's people out there that still have faith in humanity that are like, nobody would do that with a newborn baby. However, I have no faith in humanity, and I think they just ditched her and left. That's what I think.
0: Well, I don't know. I don't know. Now, now I'm skeptical of your whole story.
1: Do we have time for my last story? Of course we do. Okay.
0: Why don't we have time for your last story?
1: Okay, because I've been doing a lot of stories. Okay, Leonard Larue, you you should like this one. Okay. My last story is Did you
0: I'm research successful. this one going to ruin it in the end? No. Oh, figures. Back to you. I
1: researched it. I never ruin any of my stories. My stories are all wonderful.
0: Okay. Carry on.
1: Leonard Larue. Leonard. This is a story that the US Maritime Administration has called the greatest rescue operation by a single ship in history.
0: Is this a story or is this an actual fact? This
1: is what happened. This actually happened. Hmm. The rescue operation, which began on December 23rd, 1950, ended on Christmas Day, 1950. The man in charge was Captain Leonard, Leonard LaRue. He was Leonard LaRue. Leonard La... Nimoy? No, LaRue. Does that oh. sound like Nimoy? I'm
0: just wondering. Just asking. Okay.
1: Me. Spock was not involved. He was born in Philadelphia on January 14, 1914. He trained at the Pennsylvania State Nautical School, receiving his certification in 1934.
0: Actually, he knows how to work a canoe.
1: <laughs> bet yeah he does. I bet yeah he knows what the J-stroke is. <laughs> After completing his training, LaRue began his career working on ships coming and going from New York. He then joined the Moore-McCormick line in 1942 as a second mate. In 1944, he was promoted to master and given his own ship. He then became a U.S. Merchant Marine captain in command of a small freighter called the SS Meredith Victory. We have a Meredith. (laughs) Yes, we do. When the Korean War began, he was dispatched to bring supplies to American soldiers sent to Korea. In December of 1950 the Meredith victory was summoned to North Korean, the North Korean port hung, hung I practiced that and then I still botched it. Hung them. Hung them.
0: Hung them. Hung them. Hi. Hung them. <laughs> Gang <style. laughs>
1: You're terrible. What?
0: You didn't even say it right. I'm terrible. It's your story.
1: When he got to the port, he likened it to a scene of Dante's Inferno. It was jammed with 105,000 American and South Korean Marines and soldiers and more than 90,000 North Korean civilians retreating from a Chinese communist onslaught at the Chosen Reservoir. About 200 American vessels had converged on Hungnam for evacuation while American ships and planes bombarded the perimeter to hold off communist troops. Leonard was quoted that day saying, I trained with my binoculars and saw a pitiable scene refugees thronged the docks. With them was everything they could wheel, carry, or drag. Beside them, like frightened chicks, were their children. So on the night of December 22nd, the Meredith Victory began taking aboard a stream of refugees who feared that they would be killed by the communist troops. They were regarded as American sympathizers for having fled their homes. So they ran because they were scared, and now they were being called American sympathizers because they ran. Yeah. There were families with eight and ten children.
0: Why don't we just cancel it?
1: Cancel culture. Cancel culture. That (laughs) never happened. We cancel it. (laughs) Go home. There was a man with a violin, a woman with a sewing machine, a young girl with triplets. There were 17 wounded, some stretcher um, cases. Many were aged and hundreds of babies. When the sun rose the next morning, they had 14,000 human beings jammed aboard. The Holy boat
0: Jesus, what was the weight limit on the boat?
1: The boat was designed to hold 47 people. Nice. <laughs> yeah, 14,000. There were so many people on board that there was no room for anybody to sit. There is like this. Do you think?
0: The <laughs> boat was designed for 47. Yeah.
1: There is this crazy picture. Now, this picture. boat <laughs> yeah. makes it. Yeah.
0: And the Titanic sunk.
1: <laughs> hey. <laughs> I'm going to, I'll put the picture up of the boat. Like, it's insane to see. But somebody took a picture of it.
0: So there's like a train leaving out of uh, India or something. Yeah, like that. Isn't that where We yeah. have all those people on the trains. Yeah. I'm not. I'm just saying India because I think that's where I saw it.
1: Yeah, I think that's that. You're right. The ship headed for the South Korean port Pusan, 28 hours away, traveling through heavily mined waters that were patrolled by enemy submarines. So they're driving through mines, and the chances that they're going to be blown up by a sub. The refugees had little food or water, and there was no blankets or sanitary facilities, so there was no bathrooms. The crewmen gave their coats to the women. I bet you
0: wish the women were guys then.
1: (laughs) They just hung their butts over. We we get by. Um, The crewmen gave their coats to the women and children, but the misery was unrelieved. At one point, young men came topside seeking food, and a riot seemed imminent, but it didn't happen. It was good. After a treacherous voyage through the Sea of Japan, the freighter arrived at Pusin on Christmas Eve, only to be turned away by South Korean officials who were trying to cope with the refugees that were already there. So there were already boatloads there letting the refugees off, and then they saw 14,000 people and were like, Nope. Nope.
0: Sorry, we're closed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this port is closed.
1: So Carry on. Yeah. Captain LaRue was told to head for the island of Koji-do, 50 miles to the southwest. The Meredith Victory arrived at the island on Christmas, but the dock was small and crowded, so the freighter had to remain on the open sea for a third frigid night. The next day, two Navy ships designed to land tanks on shore during combat were lashed to the freighter, and the refugees climbed onto them and finally made it to safety. Not one refugee died in the evacuation. Really? Not one.
0: That's awesome.
1: And actually, the ship arrived with more people than it left with because five babies were born on the voyage.
0: So you didn't give us the actual number. (laughs) Why? Why do you have to ruin your story like that again?
1: Captain Maru, a Philadelphia native and a veteran of World War II merchant marine operations in the Atlantic, remained in command of the Meredith Victory until it was decommissioned in 1952. He received the American and South Korean government citations for his rescue work and the Meredith Victory was designated as a gallant ship by Congress, which I don't mean, but it sounds important. I don't know what it means, but it sounds important. It's a gallant ship.
0: Doesn't that mean that they... Uh, I thought that meant that they left them uh, like tied up so you could see them and go through them and stuff, like a, a history ship. Oh, that'd something.
1: be cool. Um, then Captain Leonard LaRue joined St. Paul's Abbey, the Benedict Monastery in Newton, New Jersey, in 1954, taking the name Brother Marinus. Marinus is a Latin word meaning meaning of the sea. He faithfully worked and prayed at the monastery until his death in 2001. Recently, the U.S. bishops voted in June of 2021 Assembly to advance the cause for the canonization of Brother Marinus. So that means if it all goes through, He will be sainted, and he will be saint, Brother Marinus. So I hope it happens, because that's, like, a really cool, you know, feel-good story.
0: Yeah, that's what we need. We need another (laughs) saint.
1: Anyways, those are my... Are you looking up ship?
0: I was trying to, but I'm getting so much stuff on here.
1: Oh. Okay, well...
0: So it's something that you'll have to follow up on, and I expect that our next episode...
1: (laughs) Okay, I will look for it. Because we're going to leave soon. people
0: hanging, so you come and check out our next episode. Yeah, I think
1: people have Google, but I will look at it, it. Go Google me. it!
0: <laughs> Why did you tell them to do that? They would have just said, okay, we'll wait for the next okay, episode. I, I will tell but you now too. you've told them to Google it. What I will... is wrong with you?
1: <laughs> I will tell them Shut next your face. Episode. Drink your
0: coffee. Okay. I don't want to hear from you my anymore. My Christmas cheer. <laughs> your Christmas cheer.
1: Yeah.
0: Your Christmas cheer is destroying everything. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, mine has a little bit to do with, uh, I got I got two on here that I can tie to Christmas. Okay. So how about uh, plug me in? So you got to plug your Christmas tree in, right?
1: Yeah. Okay,
0: yeah. perfect. See? So
1: this is how we're tying it? Because something's being plugged in and also a Christmas tree gets plugged in?
0: Yeah, that's all I'm tying to. Uh, okay. plug in all your lights, you light everything up, <laughs> yeah, right? Uh-huh. Okay, that's what we got. So 21-year-old Johnny yeah. was drinking with his friends and having a good time when he decided to show them what he had found
1: what did he find
0: well johnny found a detonator and some explosives
1: where where did he just happen to find a detonator and explosives
0: i don't know
1: i don't understand how your people get their hands on so much explosive stuff it's kind of
0: it's kind of you know what you say that (laughs) and i was thinking about that and i'm running like yeah like i think this is why it's a darwin i think God, higher being, aliens, Buddha, whatever. They look down and they go, fuck. And they said, this guy's going to find this shit. And they're going to lead him to it because they know <laughs> it's going to help out. That's all I can come up
1: with. This guy needs to be out of the gene po- the yeah, this pool. This guy needs to be out of the, the gene, gene pool. pool. Here's some dynamite. Here's some dynamite.
0: <laughs> they'll, they'll do something with it. I know. I have confidence that they will do something with it.
1: Okay. And then they go, bah!
0: or if you believe in, what's that? Um, the one that you talk about all the time.
1: Oh the yeah simulation theory. Simulation yes. theory.
0: I think they just go, well, we better add some code to this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: all I'm guessing. I'm just getting like it just anyways. So he found the old detonator and he tried to convince his friends that it that it couldn't explode. It won't explode, but everyone disagreed. So to prove it to him, Johnny decided he's gonna put the stuff in his mouth oh. and asked his friends
1: no why bad yeah. friends bad yeah, i know that's
0: the other thing not only do you have this where he finds this stuff but he has friends that go well he must know what he's talking about plug it in oh my god so they plugged it into a 220 volt electrical receptacle guess what That oh detonator worked oh my
1: god
0: <laughs> christmas lights
1: oh my god that is a terrible visual christmas lights? Like, no. every time you look at christmas that's lights that- think of that story That's something that his friends are now going to have to live with for the rest of their lives. Right,
0: but why don't the friends go? No, we're not doing this. Walk away. Like, make him. That's the other part of the whole Darwin thing. How many Darwin stories have I told where their friends are involved?
1: Like so many. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Did anybody else get hurt?
0: No, it just says it was him. So. So
1: they were like, "This might not work. I'm going to back up."
0: Yeah, probably. We <laughs> probably had an extension cord.
1: Yeah. We're gonna hang outside, bud.
0: <laughs> Love you. trust you. think everything's good. <laughs> nope, we're wrong. Oh no.
1: Now here's the question
0: too. Now do they get charged with murder?
1: That's well, I bet you probably. they got manslaughter or like what's yeah, is that the one where it's accidental, but kind yeah. of kind of accidental, but or also on purpose?
0: Yeah, like there has to be something, right? There has
1: to be, yeah. So not
0: only did he die, which is horrible guys, again, these are all true stories. So, again, I, great Christmas stories. I get it. But, however, this guy, yeah, he, he basically killed himself. Yeah. And then implemented all his friends.
1: Or what if his friends murdered him and then said that?
0: Yeah, there's so many ways. So many ways. Yeah. But that's not how it goes on here. That's not how it says. Okay. <laughs> Here's another one. So, rocking around the Christmas tree, right? Yeah. So, little Johnny, 16-year-old student at Hawaii Business School was in his dorm room in Singapore and he was playing the air guitar
1: and he's bouncing
0: around and he's loving it. I'm pretty sure he was playing
1: Rocking Around the Christmas tree. That
0: or Jingle Bell Rock.
1: Okay. Pretty sure yeah. that's what's going on in the Christmas. <laughs> yeah.
0: And he got jumping around and and he uh, flew right out his window.
1: Oh no Oh <laughs> yep. um, what are the chances yeah. of that? Right? Like, was the window open? Yes.
0: <laughs> he flew the window open it's in Singapore so it was probably warm had his window open. And then fell.
1: I wonder how long it took him to realize that he was like, falling. That he was falling Is he still he's still so rocking so hard that. that like like... Like, yeah, look at me jump on the bed. Look at the air I'm getting. In. <laughs> oh
0: no! would oh, no. really cool though if he was playing like Tom Petty, free falling. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Such a dick, eh? Yeah. I'm sorry. And then I have one more for you. Okay. So this is, our Johnny is a priest, 50-year-old one, Father Johnny, wanted to be known around the world. (laughs) There's actually a movie about this.
1: There is? Like it's like based on this story?
0: Uh, I'm going to tell you the story, then you tell me what you think. Okay. All right. So (laughs) 50-year-old father, I'm sorry, I hadn't read this one for a while, because I had my story (laughs) ready for the weekend. I'm sorry, I'm giggling. And it's not a giggle, but it's kind of a giggle. And when you hear what I'm about to tell you and you tie the stories together, you're going to be like, what the F?
1: Okay. Because I don't swear on the podcast. I've marked our podcast explicit. I have permission. (laughs) (laughs) This
0: is why we're not monetized. (laughs) Anyways, 51 year old, Father Johnny wanted to be known around the world for tying a bunch of helium balloons to a chair and oh, taking flight. Oh,
1: was this before or after the movie?
0: 2008, so I don't know when the movie came out. I'm going to say I'm going to say before the movie.
1: I think you're right. Yeah. I I'm think going to say yeah, The movie came out like 15 or 16 probably. Well, you got a laptop in yeah, front I'll... of
0: you. do want you to do that white toes Okay. So, but no matter how prepared he thought he was, cuz he did wear several survival suits.
1: 2009.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> they probably read this one. went, we can make a movie out of this. Because
1: you said 2008, right? Yeah. So it was immediately after. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: So anyways, uh, he wore all the survival suits and he brought a GPS with him and everything like that. But what he didn't plan-, plan on is he ended up out in sea. Oh, no. So, yeah, he was out in sea. His cell phone was dying. And guess what else Father Johnny didn't do? what learn how to use the gps that he brought with him come on so he had no idea how to use it send out coordinates even know where he was
1: oh my god but he god. had
0: one so that's good
1: oh no right
0: and then eventually out in the sea he just kind of that's blah, 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 blah,
1: blah, blah. a terrible story
0: drowned <laughs> <laughs> and then then disney went we can make a happy story out of this
1: let's call it up yeah, it's not disney but yeah. Well, Pixar, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Pixar is
0: owned by Disney. Is it? Disney owns the fucking world. Come on. Uh,
1: oh, I didn't think they were owned. Oh, by doesn't Disney. the mouse own? Yeah. Me. And true. now I just
0: swore on the podcast because you made me angry. <laughs> That's
1: because I told you it's explicit. Yeah, Disney now I gotta fucking swear all the time. <laughs> yeah. No, <I'm> not.
0: <laughs> However, yeah, then Disney went, Hey, let's turn this into a good thing. Well they say all fairy tales are actually based on grim yeah. things if you get yeah. into them. So there you go. <laughs> Up was based on a father trying to go in a chair. That's what I'm going with. I don't know if it's true or not. Yeah, Disney is, don't this is sue our me. New
1: conspiracy theory. If you want to sue me,
0: Disney, go ahead. Yeah, yeah.
1: Really? You can have four dogs. Yeah, you can have the four dogs.
0: <laughs> Put them in one of your character movies. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, that is my stories.
1: Yeah, they were good. That then. is a
0: happy Christmas edition stories. Yeah. Because the last one he used colorful balloons,
1: colorful balloons, just like Christmas lights.
0: Yep. So anyways, um, now we're at the point where we say thank you to everybody. Yes. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank well, you. The continue the hear
1: from us be a new year? Uh,
0: no, it will be just before oh, the new okay. year. Well, depends when we record. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because
0: we have some stuff going on next weekend.
1: Yes, we do.
0: So it'll depend. But if it's not a new year, or if it is a new year, happy new year happy to new you year. all. We're that organized here at our uh, podcast that yeah. so we know exactly when we're putting them out, <laughs> how we're putting them out. And if you'd like to comment on any of our stories, send us a story, make my wife happy. If you'd like to actually, if you're in our area and you know us and you've got a story and want to sit beside us and tell the story, you can contact us at
1: debtor survived podcast at gmail.com. I'll even give you some Christmas cheer,
0: or you can. Uh, also, go on our Facebook. You can reach out to us there. And Cheryl posts everything on Instagram. Yeah. So I'm sure there's a way to con—I don't know on Instagram if you can comment on there. Or reach yeah, out. you can. Yeah. So well, if you know how to use all those forms of media, you can reach out there. So that now brings us to the favorite time of everybody in the podcast. Oh,
1: he's so excited to use his new book. Are you new can, book. Listen, are you going to start at the first joke, no matter what? I am what starting it, is it? at joke the, the second joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: the first joke I hated.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> but I'll circle back. Okay. When, when I'm really mad at you, I'm giving you the bad jokes. (laughs) So if you get really bad jokes, you know, Ooh, he didn't like my story. That's how, you know how I, so I have a coating on my steaks because my wife doesn't eat meat. I don't know if anybody's aware of this or not, but she's a vegetarian, not vegan, but vegetarian, blah, blah, blah. She doesn't run around telling everybody, but I am not, I am very much a meat eater and she lives with me. I live with her and we co cohabitate well together. However, when I buy a package of steaks, I can take them out and put them into uh different
1: freezer bags, freezer
0: bags. So my coating on my freezer bags are happy faces and sad faces, which means if they're happy faces, I'm going to give them to people I like because they're from a butcher shop or something like that. But yeah, if I he but spent if I,
1: some money on them, I spent
0: some money on them. So I put a happy face with money. <laughs> So if you ever come to my house and you look at the Ziploc bag and it has a happy face with money, you know, I like you.
1: If you have a sad face one.
0: But if so, I go to the grocery you should, store. You
1: should totally be offended. If I go to a grocery <laughs> store
0: and buy a pack of steaks and you come over, I put a little sad face to them because they they're do not they good. They're okay, good steaks. Yeah, yeah. They just don't well, taste to, as good as the butcher shop yeah. ones. <laughs> and I probably paid 25 bucks for the three where the butcher shop, I paid more. <laughs> and they're thicker and they're more delicious And so i put a sad face beside them <laughs> and she's like what are you doing i'm like well this way i know who to serve and who i don't serve and she was what is wrong with you and i know the ones i want to eat so that's how you're gonna get the dad jokes now dad <laughs> like jokes... he's
1: gonna go through and put happy faces and sad faces beside them well, see it.
0: if you get a happy face when i'm done reading it okay anyways why did the tennis player get in trouble
1: Mm, I don't know why
0: they were making too much racket. Oh,
1: that's a good one. That's a good one. I thought I put the beside
0: that one. That's a good one. That's a good one.
1: one. You're gonna check them off as you've done them, so you don't repeat them. Oh yeah, good idea. yeah. I'm organized over <laughs> yeah. here. I got
0: notes and stuff going on. What do you got? I got, got a nothing. laptop,
1: an iPad, and a phone going. They all tell Is the it... same
0: shit. <laughs> <laughs> I have notes. I have. I have written i have handwritten stuff there is blood on the page for me writing trying to keep up with I your see story the
1: doodles on well, your page there's
0: also some there's doodles like on there.
1: that whole page is just doodles Well,
0: that's the more doodles is how boring your stories are
1: you're such a jerk
0: why you ask i could lie to you if you want but i thought our marriage was trust on built on trust and honesty <laughs> Everybody from Dead or Survive, have a Merry Christmas Christmas. and a Happy New Year. If we get one out before, I'll tell you Happy New Year again. (laughs) Yeah. All right. If not, see you in 2023.
1: Bye.